Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Mindset Explosion Season 4, Episode 4. I'm very excited, being joined tonight by Serena Gay, and we are going to talk a little bit about podcasting. Uh, I want to find out how Serena got into this, because uh, for me, I, it just seemed like you had a dream job going around the world with uh, the BBC as a journalist. <laughs> Was that kind of the case, Serena, or...? No, <laughs> no, that was that was kind of like in my early part of my broadcasting career, I worked for BBC World Service, but I was actually in the main newsroom in London. And that was very exciting. I was there for the for the night that the first Gulf War broke out. Wow. Um, and I was actually the one that broke the fact of it happening to the newsroom. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I've, I've had some interesting times. But but in fact, um, not that long after all that, I then went to live in Germany uh, with my with my new husband. And I ended up working for German televisions, their, their international satellite English news service, which is called Deutsche Welle TV or DWTV. And they broadcast in various different, lots of different languages, just like the BBC World Service. And so I ended up presenting and doing production work um, for their English language news service. And I stayed in Berlin for 20 years. So, um, yeah, so, so not all over the world, but definitely Berlin. And that was an extraordinary experience, I can tell you, watching or seeing or testifying or just being around as Berlin kind of rose from the ashes of the Cold War after reunification, seeing the two parts of the city come together. That was really, uh, that was, I suppose, the experience of my life. But anyway, so, so yeah, so not a BBC roving reporter as such, <laughs> I'm afraid. No, but that must have been quite, that sounds interesting. Like you said, that would have been right at the start. Well, you know, as the, the, the Berlin was changing um, oh. in the world it is now, yeah? Um, Absolutely. I mean, you know, just to put it all into context in a way for you, um, not long after we arrived, my husband and I stopped what we were doing in Berlin and, and started to run our own business. So we started offering... Um, historic walking tours in English. So I carried on working for my for, for the broadcaster, but but my husband Nick was 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 the main man in running this business, although I helped him too. And we really did see we couldn't have chosen something that would reveal more to us the way the city was changing than by doing these historic walking tours. And literally parts of East Berlin, I remember, were Dickensian. They were desperate. They were, you know, slums. Not, not all of it by any means, but parts. Um, and to see those rise and, and actually become quite yuppified and really kind of trendy um, over the years, we were there for 20 years, was just an amazing thing. And, you know, to see uh, what were, well, sort of amazing um, building sites, uh, uh, produce the most wonderful buildings and fill in all these like parking lots and empty spaces that have been left after the bombing of the Second World War and never really sort of nothing done with them, you know, the, by the East German government, to see after reunification, these lots being turned into amazing constructions, amazing buildings, amazing places to live, all that 
although it made it very difficult to actually live in the city while it was going on, all this reconstruction, it was still an amazing thing to be able to witness and something that, you know, um, defines my life in a way. So, yeah, it was quite an experience. I, I guess, um, yeah, I guess you would have been around quite a growth kind of mindset at the time. You know, obviously it's something that's about renewal, isn't it? Um, you know, at that time, that must have had a huge impact. I haven't really thought about it now, to be honest. It's just as you're, you're talking about it. Yeah. Yes, and I think I think it had a, an interesting effect on the the peoples of the two parts of Berlin. So in the east, you had you had the East Berliners who felt many of them felt that the West had come in and just kind of reclaimed them without really any permission as such, yeah. um, and um, you know sort of made what they had achieved under the East German government or regime, however you want to refer to it, made their achievements seem small and insubstantial. Um, and so there was, a, there was a lot of bad feeling at, at the start. A lot of people weren't happy with what was going on. But what was fascinating to see as the years went by, well, to begin with, you could really tell the difference between the East Germans and the West Germans or the East Berliners and the West Berliners. You know, the East Berliners had quite badly cut hair, quite badly cut hair. You know, they, they didn't dye their hair very well. Their clothes were badly cut, cheap. Um, you know, I, I sound as if I'm being very negative here, but th there was a difference between mm. the way the East Berliners were turned out and the way the West Berliners were turned out. But then as the years went on, that differentiation disappeared. And you could no longer say that person is from the East and that person is from the West. And bit by bit, you know, the city came back together. And by the time we left after 20 years, it, it was much more of a cohesive entity. And, you know, I think people stopped feeling embittered about what had happened. Yeah. Because, in fact, there was some embitterment on the West side as well, because their taxes were increased in order to pay for the renovation of the East. Um, and, you know, by the time we left, I think the country was much more united. So, or reunited. So, yes, you're right. There was this mindset. Uh, and it took a while to... Uh, gel you know this mindset of we're all in it together and we're all going to come out of it with something much stronger and much better that took a long time to come together i, I guess that's uh, that's life in general isn't it like, and even though that it's the berlin same city it, it, it's two cultures really wasn't it coming together do you feel like they learned a lot off each other Interesting question. I think, to be honest, I mean, it's the story of the victor, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, the West won. <laughs> yeah. And when that's the case, you know, they impose their mores and their expectations and their standards on the loser. And I think, um, yeah, I think that was really what happened i'm not yeah. sure that they learned very much from each other because i think the west was only too keen to forget the communist past yeah. and i think there were many in the east berlin part on the east germany who who actually were quite keen to uh, up their living standards and move into a new world but not everybody was so um yeah yeah, yeah. 
No, fair enough. Anyway, moving on a little bit. So when, when I, I, I do get sidetracked sometimes, Serena, but it was interesting. Um, yes, yeah. That must have been, so you were obviously working in journalism when you first went to Berlin and then you decided to change, quite a career change to do tour guide or, you know, to step up, set up a business. How, how was, you know, how was that? What, what kind of, I'm doing this now, what spurred that on and, how what happened in the eventually in the end well just just to be clear i i kept my broadcasting work going simultaneously and it was really my husband that ran the family business although i was involved and i did do a lot for it yeah. um but what what really spurred us into doing it was two things first money which is always an important thing mm -hmm. um the job that originally took us out there was my husband's job and that actually came to an end for reasons I won't go into here, but it wasn't really his fault. I mean, it was just how it worked. And we didn't want to go back to England with our tail between our legs, not having not achieved something in um, Berlin. And uh, simultaneously, we ourselves were exploring the city just off our own bat. And, you know, we were really interested to find out where all this Nazi history had taken place and, uh, you know, where, for example, Hitler's bunker, where he spent his last few days before he committed suicide. Where was that? How could you find that? Um, and so we were on our own little, you know, quest to find out where all these places were. And then one day we sort of thought, you know what? There is nothing in this city for tourists who visit to show them where all these historic sites of, you know, the infamous Nazi history took place. Why don't we do that? Why don't we put together our own history walk? Now, I should I should explain that my husband is really an historian. I mean, that was his background. He um, he studied history at Cambridge, and that, that was his first love. And so it just seemed like the obvious thing to do. And we were the very first to start leading offering tours in English, serious historic tours to sites of infamous Nazi interest or interest Nazi history. And um, it took off, I can tell you, and it was tremendously popular. And um, we grew from that point. So not only did we uh, offer Nazi history tours, we then offered Jewish life tours, uh, a general history tour of the city, um, Oh, spies tour, uh, a Potsdam tour. Um, we, you know, we did all sorts of different things. And, oh, it was terribly interesting for us in so many different ways. But that was the original sort of um, motivation was A, money, and B, you know, nobody's offering this. Why don't we do it? Yeah, so that's how it all started. Brilliant, brilliant. And, so, and then obviously you came back to England. We did. After 20 years away, we decided that we by that time we had a small family. We had two boys and we decided that um, actually because oh, we'd had the kids relatively late. We had kept asking ourselves this question. If we stay here, do we well, do we want to stay in Berlin? Because if we do, our children will feel that. Germany is their home. Now, mm -hmm. we had 20 good years in Germany. We really did. But we did want our boys to feel that they belonged to the country that we came from, so that they felt English. So we decided um, when they were sort of 10 and 13 that we should come back to this country and 
um, that's what we did. And we did it for them, really. And uh, I think we achieved what we set out to achieve. They, they feel English, but they love Germany and they love going back. They are bilingual. So, and that has stood them in the most incredibly good stead. And um, we, yes, we had to start again when we came back here. And I can tell you that has been a journey in itself, quite challenging. Quite Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Pleased yeah, but, to be here. Yeah. Go yeah, on. Yeah. It's a brave move. Mm, it's, it it, and obviously, I think as we, you know, as we 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 get older, it becomes even more braver because it, it you know, what I got to start again. But as, but you must be happy with your choice, right? Totally, because uh, you know, this country is home, really, ultimately, um, and good though the years were that we had in Berlin I mean we had a wonderful we had a great company great people working for us we had a lovely house um at the end of the day we never really felt that we totally belonged yeah. um and so it's nice to come home and just belong again and not be the foreigner yeah do you know that one Matt have you have you lived abroad only traveled. I haven't really lived. I spent probably about a year and a half traveling around and um, it's a few times where obviously maybe just being the only white person in, in the area I was at, um, just put the shoe on the other foot for a change. Yeah. Great, yeah. Times, great times, but yeah, not, nothing for as long as what you have. Um, but I can relate to life changes and just up and then Right, I'm going to change my <laughs> career now, <laughs> and uh, let's do this. <laughs> it, it's a brave move, but I feel that um, I feel it. You know, it, if it's in your heart, you you got you got. I, I heard something today, and it was said, "Follow your heart, but take your head with you." <laughs> I thought they were wise words. <laughs> Quite tricky uh, to do that, though, Matt. Quite yeah, tricky. I know. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe take your gut, listen to your gut at the same time. <laughs> so. When you came back to England, did you go straight back into broadcasting? Um... No. And in fact, that has that was my problem was I had not I had not envisaged that when I came back to this country already in my sort of 50s that, um, you know, I would have such difficulty uh, getting a job. Mm. And the truth is that nobody wanted to employ me because my skills were kind of off the scale, really. They just were weird ones. And so I had to reinvent myself. And at that, I, you know, that was difficult to, to suddenly realize that I was on, despite the fact that I had incredible amount of experience in so many different ways, I, I just couldn't get anybody to respond to my uh, approaches or applications or anything. So that was uh, quite tough. That, took me a while to come to terms with and I did reinvent myself though as a voiceover artist and I taught myself the skill of audio editing which was so foreign to me I can't tell you because you know up to that point um, I'd always worked with audio engineers they'd always done the job all I'd had to do was sit in front of a microphone and sound pretty uh, you know or, yeah, or write my scripts maybe yes no problem but I didn't actually have to fiddle around with audio and sound waves and you know um, 
luffs and well you have to really be into audio engineering to know what a luff is you probably know what a luff is Matt no you don't <laughs> okay all right so uh, I'm not going to go into it now but it's a way of normalizing it's a way of normalizing your audio so that so that you have the right volume and so all this kind of technology was like so foreign to me but I taught it to myself I got there I I became quite good at it and and I launched myself as a voiceover artist only to find, Matt, that it is the most boring thing on this planet to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all very well reading a bedtime story to a child who responds, who listens, yeah. who gets excited. Um, it's it's an altogether another thing to read a book to yourself effectively, day in, day out, and to have nobody responding, no, no comeback. It's it's dull. It's kind of ridiculous, actually, just to talk, just to talk to yourself all day long. So um, I actually found that I was bored to tears <laughs> doing that. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yes. Yeah. So then I had to reinvent myself again, which is where the podcasting came in. Um, but uh, that's another story. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to launch into that? Yeah, <laughs> well, that's why not? Definitely. Because um, you've got, you, you have two podcasts is that right now at the moment. I have two of my own podcasts, correct. Yeah. But I launched myself as a podcast producer for companies. So, so what I... I do is I go into a company, I help them launch a podcast, and then I help them continue to operate it if that's what they want me to do. But alongside that, I also run two podcasts. One is um, a Gloucestershire-based podcast about businesses and how they're surviving the, 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 the challenges of the lockdown and of the pandemic. And my other podcast is How to Make Your Own Business Podcast. And it's called podcast launchpad so yeah. um yeah so so not only do i do it for companies do i produce them but i also teach people how to do it for themselves and that was something i kind of had to start doing during the pandemic because of course business kind of ground to a halt and i needed to pivot or in my case pirouette um yeah. into you know <laughs> into uh, you, you some some sort of aligned form of podcasting that wasn't actually working with companies or going into a, a workplace um and now things are coming back together again for me so so you know the pirouette has, is is beginning to pay off but um yeah it was tricky to begin with but but i realized that um in 2018 that i you know i had all the skills to become a podcast producer you know i have a radio and tv background writing for broadcast um audio engineering uh, oh i've done a ton of voicing work so i know how to use my voice um you know and 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 thanks to my work with family businesses i'm quite sort of familiar with social media and marketing so all these skills you know were, were ripe really for um putting together uh, to become a podcast producer and um this country has been relatively slow to <laughs> to get with the podcasting vibe right i don't i can see you're laughing there matt and i think that must be because you're aware of because you were i guess you must have been ahead of the crest of the wave you you you've been doing your podcast for a long time now how many years is it is it four 
uh, yeah, well, we just started. This is starting my fourth year, so it, it did start off as um, you know Facebook Live, and and I I remember one of my masterminds they talked about the podcasting, and I assumed oh I got to get the setup, and I think um, did you know Robin Wade? I I do know him. Yes, yeah, although yeah. not terribly well, but I know oh, of no, him. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> um, one of my mentors at um at some point in the UK and. Um, he said, "Why don't you just download it to audio? You can do that." <laughs> All right, okay. Well, that makes life so much easier. So I uploaded everything there. So in theory, podcast is probably about um, two or three years. But as a as a whole, all my content, yeah, is is getting onto the four year mark. I found it easier if I just said I got an episode, and it, it made me make sure I'm back the following week, basically. But I, yeah, I, I, I think I said to you off air that a lot of training i went over to america and I, I feel obviously a lot of the time it's just the way it is they're just a little bit more ahead of the game over there um of course um yeah so it, it was nice to have just that other platform and i think it's great that i, I love um similar because you, you interviewed a lot of people from around gloucestershire and i i think that's so beneficial to to those businesses to, it's just a you get your voice heard and um it's just having that highlight into you know to get in front of your viewers and i i know from like what people say to me is is oh i'd never considered something like that before and i think you know it's a, it's a great platform isn't it it really is and you know it, it there's something really uh terrific about using your voice mm. to communicate with your potential clients and uh, you know make your voice familiar with with people and they will trust you and you know they will trust what you have to say to them. I know I'm launching. I'm now kind of lapsing into my sales spiel yeah, <laughs> about why podcasting is such a brilliant idea. Yeah, but to, you know, what better than to be able to literally have that contact with your client than to be able to speak to them directly? You know, and for them to listen to you. I mean, the podcast statistics um, over you know how many people will listen to the end of a podcast are mind blowing. Don't ask me to repeat them here because I never remember statistics. But this, it's something like 60% of people, you know, listening to a podcast will listen to the end of it once they get, you know, once they get involved with it. And that, you know, what salesperson anywhere can rely on being able to get their message across to so many people in that way using their own voice you know I mean I think it's magical I really do and I'm about to have a good cough hang on a minute I don't have I don't have corona I promise <laughs> bless you Just a bit dry. no it is true and I, I figure that I mean would you say it's for any business could any business go out and do a podcast I don't see why not if you have an expertise then there will be people out there who want to know about it. You yeah. know, if you're a carpenter, there'll be people who want to know, how do you make a table? How do you make shelves? You know, if you're a plumber, there'll be people wanting to know, how do I deal with an emergency? You know, if you're, oh gosh, if you have some kind of medical expertise, people will want to know about it. Um, I honestly don't think there is any profession out there where people aren't curious to know how you do it. Um, and then, of course, on top of that, there are people interested in your offers. And let's say you're a retailer. Let's say you sell clothes. Well, why don't you have a podcast about your latest um, 
uh, stock you know about or about the stock you have that you want to sell off you know you can talk about it there's so many different ways of um of making a podcast work for you and you don't have to talk about your business or about your expertise you can do it in a in a kind of oblique way um there's a cookery school this is one of my favorite examples there's a cookery school out there um that has managed to it's very clever this they've managed to get hold of some of the contestants that were in the great british bake-off and they have them on every week and every time there's a new season of Bake Off they they discuss each episode in detail and I mean it's I for me as a great British Bake Off fan I find it absolutely fabulous listening and they they pick apart the dishes or the the bakes that these contestants um, produced and they talk about their own experiences when they were on the show and the cookery school that that hosts the podcast they make use of it by getting the the people that are that the hosts of the podcast to talk about what the cookery school does in terms of its courses so not only do they talk about the program um, the bake-off but they also talk about what the podcast host does or offers in terms of cookery courses so you can you know you can be a bit inventive and and clever about it and um you can make a wonderful program to listen to so yeah, I think it's such an imaginative means of getting your voice out there and getting people to listen to you. As you can tell, I'm a big fan. No, yeah, me too. I love it. <laughs> um, but but it is it's so true. And I, I guess even if, like you said, if, you, if you're not sure, you can interview someone. It doesn't always have to be that. But I, like, I think someone just got to be the expert and just got to know 2% more than someone else, right? Yes. I mean, I think you know, if you're going to do a, a podcast series about your expertise, you probably know a lot more than two and a half percent. Yeah, than I <laughs> but, you know, we, we all of us, no matter what we do, we have a knowledge, we have, you know, we, we have something to give to other people. So yeah, so what do you give Matt? What's your, uh, what's, what's, what's your expertise? It must be health, fitness, martial yeah. arts, Martial, well, obviously, I, 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 my business is martial arts and fitness. Uh, our unique selling point um, for teaching martial arts was always about personal development. And as I step back a little bit more from teaching, obviously, you know, the instructors there, they, they're incorporating those things. And martial arts is very much personal development. My, my instructor encouraged me so much to listen to things like Anthony Robbins and um, The Seven Habits. And we'd be talking about this as I'm teaching. So this was my platform to share with someone that maybe may not want to do martial arts and and then i had a bit of an interest in finding out about you know local businesses or people of interest and um and finding out how their mindset works which of course is why we talked about that so that that's i like to inspire i guess um but and, and sometimes with the interview it's a little bit less work for me <laughs> That's the beauty of the interview, isn't it? Yeah. But you do, I mean, if you're going to do an interview podcast, you do need to make sure that whomever you choose as your interview, your interviewee for that particular episode, you know, that they're a, a sort of confident kind of person, that, yeah. that they're articulate, that they enjoy talking, and that they've got something to say. Because it can fall flat if you choose someone who isn't very sort of um reliable in that way so yeah you do need to be careful with your guests um yeah i agree i i've not had to, 
maybe one or two. I just thought, I want this to end. But mostly, I think because I, I don't know how you felt when you were talking to people about, because they're talking about their own business. A lot, some people do get quite nervous. And then afterwards, I, I want to do that again. <laughs> and i say i told you yes, yes, <laughs> just yes, talk yes. about and it um maybe i've got a bit of a gift for probably you know you're a journalist so it, it is sometimes you've got to dig in a little bit and, and dive in and find out that's generally why i have a little chat before it stays fresh in my head um but sometimes oh. in that free chat someone will say something and if they are a bit nervous they might forget what they've been talking about uh you know some oh, I, and and I might think it. So someone will be talking. Sometimes I did have, at the early days, Serena. I'd forget to listen because I'm thinking right in a minute. I'm going to bring up what they wanted to talk about, like your podcast, <laughs> the those things. Um, but it's, I, I enjoy it. I, I think it's become a little bit of a hobby more for me now. Okay. So, okay. Right. Have you yeah. have you ever had anybody? Have you ever had anybody who's died on you? Like sort of said, Matt. I I don't know what to say. No, I don't think so. I don't think I can't think of a time where that's happened. Maybe they, I get a feel when someone's nervous. And I was, um, my job was about bringing up people's confidence and and getting them to realise that. So, I guess I am um, just leading. Have, have you had that situation or? Well, yes, but then <clears throat> uh, I pre-record so I never do anything live um although that's something that you know perhaps down the line I'll do but uh no normally I pre-record and so what I have had is a couple occasionally I've had somebody say oh no I didn't want to say that or oh no can I start again and you know that's fine because I can just cut it out you know yeah. it's not a problem and so so I, I I don't mind that happening, but um I don't think I've ever had anybody on who's like completely frozen up on me, and that's probably because it's pre-recorded and they know it doesn't matter, and maybe because I also say to them at the start, whatever you do, whatever mistake you make, it doesn't matter because I can cut it out, and I think that helps put people at their ease. So you know, um, no, and also I do prepare my guests too. I mean, yeah. I. I do try to have like a 10-minute chat with them, not on the day of recording, funnily enough. I try to do it a bit in advance. And and then I sort of pick their brains about their biographies and what they've done. And I actually say to them, what do you really want to talk about? And that's a really good question to ask because then, you know, you know, you get the gist of what they feel comfortable about or with and so then you ask the right questions and so yeah so I, d I tend not to ask people questions that I know will trip them up you know no, I'm not trying yeah. to be uh, yeah. um yeah I want to bring out I want to bring them out I want yeah. to get I want to get them to talk about what they feel comfortable and uh, uh, talking about and to show them off at their best so yeah that's totally my the way I do things and the but then, of course, I do have this solo podcast, podcast launchpad, it's called, which is all about how to do your own podcast. And then it's just me talking. So there's no problem about people freezing there. No, brilliant. And I love that because you're making the pod when it's an interview. And I feel it's you're making the podcast about the person that's coming on. I think that's so important because it's easy to say, oh, this is, you know, it's your podcast. But in a way, it becomes 
you know, for them. And I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So so your single, so the the podcast um, I want to talk about as well is how to do your own podcast. Um, So when that's available now, that's, that's. Podcast Launchpad. Absolutely. That came out that I started doing that about, let me see, I've just done the eighth episode, or at least that's about, that's going to launch next week. So yeah, so, so I'm only a couple of months into it. And um, actually, I love it because it's what I know, right? Podcasting. So I can talk about all the different, my new CA, all the different little niche interests to do with it. And um, so for me, it's just a joy to be able to talk about it. But they are really bite-sized episodes. Um, So they take about six to eight minutes each to listen to, really short. And and I did that on purpose because I want people just to be able to dive in and listen, you know, and not have to, uh, you know, work their way through a whole load of um, banter and unnecessary chit chat. I just want people to be able to get straight in to what uh, message I am conveying. So yeah, they're really short. They're, I keep, I call them fun-sized, you know, because the, you can just listen to them and uh, at any time of the day and they'll fit into any slot that you choose. Um, and, and it's all part really of my sort of building my presence online in order to launch a course ultimately at some stage down the line, probably late spring. Um, on how to make your own business podcast because there are lots of people out there who um would love to use this marketing tool to promote themselves um but just don't know where to start and you know are ready to do it for themselves but they've got so many questions that they need answering and yeah. i think yeah this is something i could do to be useful so this is what i'm doing i think that's i think that's fantastic and and obviously i i realized the many benefits of it um and because of your experience i think oh my gosh they're getting so much from that and i like the fact it's those bite-sized chunks because again if it's someone in business some probably we haven't got much time on our hands but we should make some time um but the benefits are so huge and i and like what you said i get you, you start to have a relationship and everything is about relationships even when we go to the shop and you get, you told me something great about what um, you do when you go to the, um, when you're at the till, you, you try and make that person smile. Uh, and I love that. That was your mum's very, I'm pulling up on one, but, um, but it is, it's about relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I should say, I should explain that my, my mother had this thing um, that she didn't like to leave a supermarket without having made the, the, the person who served her at the till smile. That was her big thing. And um, so if, if she happened to come across somebody who looked really glum, she, she made it her day's mission to make that person laugh or chat to them or just open them up. She was a social worker, my mother. So maybe that was kind of, you know, what made her tick was to help people and be kind to them. But uh, she was very good at that. And that, and I kind of, I picked that up too. Now I just cannot go to the supermarket, even in these days of COVID without actually talking to somebody and kind of having a nice human exchange, because isn't that what life is all about? You know, yeah, now, Matt, talking yeah. about what life is all about, it's my husband's birthday today. I know, I know, I know. We were going to cut this off at <laughs> and we were, we of course, were supposed to be like going out for a meal or doing, but then you know, lockdown happened. So, I promised him a lovely meal for tonight, Aww. and 
So I suppose I should run back into the kitchen and make sure it's not burnt to a cinder. But it's been really nice talking to you. And I hope that um, this episode is, is a useful one for you. And I hope it brings in a few listeners. No, well, hopefully we get um, you get mm. some people onto the, your show, and please want obviously enjoy your, enjoy the celebrations. Um, but drop the, drop in any any extra links into the comments, um, and of course, anyone that's watching, if you want to find out more, definitely. I think whether you would be a business or you just have something to talk about, I think it's just worth getting on there. You'll learn so much through Serena as well, and I think um, what a, what a great thing. I look forward to you launching your course, and let me know, and I'll I'll push it out there for you as well, of course. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Thank right. you. It's been a lovely, a lovely chat this evening, a lovely way to spend a Sunday evening. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. Thank you, everybody. I will be back next week. Um, same time, same channels. All right. Peace and love. Bye-bye. <laughs>